0: Hi, everyone. Good evening or good morning or good afternoon, depending on whether you are in the world. So today we are discussing a topic which is one of these hills in the battle that looks like we stand alone in the fight. And we are discussing the topic of travel bans. We are discussing the topic of new measures being introduced, limiting whether you can travel abroad and limiting whether you can enter or exit a country. And we're going to try to see it from the principles of philosophy and try to draw some general conclusions rather than merely saying, oh, that's another, the government is overextending its arms. You've heard that before. You've heard it from us. Today, we're going to try to approach it from a different angle. Maybe it turns out we haven't got that many things to say, but I think it's a topic which is interesting. And just to give some context before we welcome, actually, let me first welcome, again, the businessman, the scholar. Jonathan Honey.
1: Jonathan, thanks for being with us. With you, Nikos. Interesting topic that has a lot of different angles. So I'm looking forward to hearing your perspective and in hearing from many in our our chat and super chat as well.
0: Sure. So why today? So yesterday, so there have been many countries like Australia, for example, that have imposed very, very, very draconian rules in terms of whether you can enter the country. So yesterday, Scotland announced that anyone for any reason from anywhere entering the country is going to have to quarantine in a hotel on their own expenses, which go up to something close to, if you add the test, something almost close to 2,000 pounds. And actually, Raz says it's New Zealand. Yeah, but also Australia has some strict travel travel rules. Yeah, and New Zealand, of course, is the champion, let's say, of, uh, of, these, of these rules. And in England, you have the same routine, but from some particular countries that are mostly related to some particular COVID variants. And also in the England, we were told that if you lie about which country you come from, you might face a prison term of 10 years, 10 years. Now to put this into perspective, you can see penalties for things like having to do with sexual assault, these kind of crimes that is, lower than 10 years so apparently this is such a big thing that a there's need to be a consensus that this is a good thing so what i found most depressing is that when this was announced this tsunami of comments saying finally and also why do people travel why are people so selfish enough with the selfishness this was time to happen and also the government saying well yeah 10 years might sound a bit too much but it's where it's an important issue. So here's what I find my first thoughts on this, what I find so interesting. First of all, there's a double shift. The first is this shift in policymaking. So we see two things happening at the same time. We see things that relate to the virus itself and things that relate to how human ingenuity is dealing with the virus. I would dare to say things are going relatively well in terms of the vaccines, in terms of more and more Uh, mitigation, so to speak, therapies that are having promising results. So this part is going well. But our reaction to it seems to be more and more and more measures, but also more interestingly, fewer and fewer questions asked. But that's not my main concern. My main concern is how people are now seeing their fellow citizens, their fellow people. So we were told in the beginning that because we're all in this together, we're gonna come out of this as better people. We're going to love our neighbor a bit more. We're going to care for each other a bit more. What I'm now seeing is naked altruism. But altruism, as Ayn Rand explained, this idea that you are expected to self-sacrifice for everyone else. So now we've reached a point where we don't even ask why you should travel. So let me give one last example before I go to Jonathan. So a tragic story. Today we found out that Jurgen Klopp's mother, Jurgen Klopp is the manager of Liverpool, he's German, his mother unfortunately died and he could not travel and all the comments had to do with, oh you know it's so sad. But no questioning of the fact that for something so intimate, for something so high in your hierarchy of values, your mother's saying goodbye to your mother, it's out of the question that you should do it. So Germany has imposed a complete flat travel ban from the UK so Jürgen Klopp could not travel. So this inhumanity, this coldness, and again, we were told, you're gonna, this altruism is gonna make you better people. And now, somehow we've reached the point where we said, oh, your mother died, tough luck, you don't go to the funeral. Anyway, I've put too much stuff on the table. Jonathan, pick whatever
1: you want. <laughs> well, I mean, Nikos, there's so much to go on here, but play a bit, a little bit of devil's advocate, knowing that certainly this field of infectious diseases is not my bailiwick, and there's a lot of science here, but you know, knowing that objectivism holds that the, the proper role of government is to protect your rights. Again, I'll play devil's advocate for a moment. You know, what about the idea that government, by enacting a travel ban, is, is protecting its citizenry? It's protecting them from the, the possibility of an infectious disease brought in from, a, from an outside source. You know, isn't that the proper role of government as we know it, protecting us?
0: Yes, but if you this can also be applied in, and reached to a conclusion that you should not leave your house. So I'm not against testing, for example, at the airport. I'm not against being tested again after three days. But there is a point where this distant idea that you could be a threat to others and you could infringe other people's rights. There is a point where this threat becomes way, way, way too abstract for such a flat ban. So if this is the case, then yeah, maybe anyone should be a carrier. We know that the new variants have already community spreads in many countries. United Kingdom, which is imposing these draconian measures, has one of the worst community spreads of different variants. So I'm, I cannot see how telling you you are not allowed to leave the country for whatever reason is not a breach of your rights. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, so I mean when you when you read about uh, read about this a little bit too, practically you know you read that the, the travel restrictions are tremendously damaging to the economy that they're ultimately very ineffective as well that they actually don't stop the spread as you, as you said and it se- seems almost like a, what they used to call security theater after 9/11 people say no government you have to do something so government set up a lot of these shenanigans at the airport that really didn't do anything to keep us safe but it gave people the impression that oh government's Doing something ultimately to, to keep my safe. To keep me safe. And and this is and this is again what it means.
0: This is what I want to highlight. This is what it means. We're all in this together. And this is why I don't like this creeps. We're all in this together means that it doesn't matter for what reason you want to travel. Maybe, maybe that travel is the most important thing in your life maybe that travel means you you will see the person with the biggest value of your life maybe this travel is going to be about the one opportunity that you always wanted in your life but because your life is not yours and because we're all in this together not only you're not allowed to do this but also you should not complain because if you complain you question this creed that says that your life is interlinked that you're your brother's keepers so it seems to me that I see in real life, I see in real play, that this idea of you are your brother keepers turns out to be you need to kill all your values. And again, without even asking questions. And I don't know, There's sometimes I even doubt myself on that because I, I wonder, could it be that maybe there's something to it because I don't see anyone else complaining? So the only timid complaints we've heard from let's say liberal think tanks and stuff is you need to give us an you need to give us an exit plan we need to know when this is going to when this is going to stop but i would i want to make it, to take it even one step further i would say that even if the travel is not for something so tragic as saying goodbye to your dead mother even if it is for something like you need to do it something which is your need i don't think that you have to that, it, that you can have a list and saying these are the reasons why you should travel. Because again, who can ask, who can question, who can challenge what is the most important thing for you? The other day I was talking with someone who is 70 and with something that could be considered underlying conditions. And he was telling me that what gave him some breath of fresh air to go through almost a year of quarantine was the summer, was that in the summer he could escape to an island he has built a small house there after all these decades of work, and it was so rejuvenating that he managed to get there. I even feel same saying that because I could see people saying, oh, so you going to your house in the island is more important than lives. And again, when do we reach that point? When did we reach the point where someone who hasn't got that many quality summers in front of him should be no questions asked barred from
1: pursuing these values? Right. I mean, there's that, there's that one-size-fits-all mentality, Mary Marylene in the chat says, you know, persons at higher risk have the option to quarantine themselves. You know, and ironically, when you think about where this all first started, I mean, that's, that's really, again, not a medical opinion here, but that really is, you know, where the risk is, is with certain people with those pre-existing conditions and, and older people as well. But as you said, there's this sense of we're all in it together. And it's like, well, if if older people can't travel, then no one can travel. If older people can't or shouldn't go out to restaurants, then no one can go out to restaurants. And that, that sense of altruism, as you said, self-sacrifice, where it says, well, we've got to shut the whole economy down if really the risk is even primarily with a small subset of the population. And also, yes,
0: notice the I would call it, what's the English word for the Greek term? Ivris, uh, hubris. I don't know how to pronounce it. Notice the yeah. hubris. Of the central planners of morality so supposedly this is to protect older people. I know, for example, that the biggest. Regret not regret the the thing that makes my mother mostly sorry is that I've been here for so long we've never been closer than like a meter. So supposedly this is to protect here, but if you ask her if you told her for example i'm going to close the border you're not going to see your family. She would say no i'm happy to take take the risk. I was I was talking with a friend uh, in York who is, who is running a cafe. And he told me it's a cafe in a very beautiful park by the lake. And he told me that the day after the lockdown, the first lockdown was over, his clientele was mostly older people and what we consider people in these vulnerable groups. And they were telling them that, look, it's a beautiful summer. How many beautiful summers are we going to have in our lives? And we want to make use of it. So, Again, I can understand everything. I, I'm i way too OCD when it comes to taking all the precautions, but what I don't accept is this idea that someone can judge what should be your values and your mother's values and your grandmother's values and everyone's values, and how quickly this escalated to, this is the values that you people should have, no questions asked.
1: And because and, and you can actually imagine Different types of airlines having different protocols, for example, safety protocols or, <laughs> excuse me, testing protocols. Um, you know, maybe there is that COVID safe travel voucher you can get or travel uh, a passport or whatnot. So, you know, different maybe certain airlines have certain types of uh, middle seat empty or whatnot or only sell one row. So, you know, the, the, the free market, if you will, could kind of come up with ways to perhaps mitigate that. I mean, maybe. Maybe an airline does like a seniors only flight, very expensive or whatnot. You have the creativity of different producers coming up with ways to kind of solve this as against a government decree, no one travels, no one in or out. And rem- I remember that some months ago, I think we
0: did an episode, something like, we put, we put the term East Germany in the title because it said that again, something related to some very softer travel bans. And back then, Raqqa told me, "You know what? You took it too far. That's that's cheap. Come on, we're not there." And again, yeah, maybe we're not in Germany. But what I'm saying is how quickly, how quickly the goalposts move. How quickly the goalposts move. And one last thing I want to to notice here: what you'd expect from journalists, scientists, the opposition in parliament is to ask some basic questions. So you people are telling us, "Yeah, this is." The science, okay. So my question is this, if for example, we find out that the vaccines are not so successful, let's say to a particular variant, does this mean that our life is permanently on hold? Again, for everyone. So if someone has, maybe they're in their last years of their life or their most productive years of their life, is our life now officially dependent on how successful the vaccines are gonna be? So is this where we currently are? I think we we should at least know that. So, because for example, if this is the case, shouldn't we be putting way more pressure on liberalizing the vaccines regime? So Harry Binswager in his newsletter are asking something very important questions. So for example, why is it that tens of thousands of people were saying, I want to be a subject of the test, do me the vaccine and then give me the virus. So don't just let me out there for months, give me the virus three weeks later. But because again, this is considered out of the question morally, and the question is according to whom and why, but because it's considered out of the question, we find ourselves in a position where we've given so much power to the government, and also these people are have also the monopoly of morality and of policy, and that's the worst combination. So anyway, this is, this is a bit bleak today, but I think it's very interesting, because when we talk about why altruism, the way Ayn Rand explains it, is not what people think it is benevolence or generosity. People usually frown and they say, come on, this is, this is a caricature. No, it's not a caricature. Altruism actually means you, Jurgen Klopp, stay home. Your mother died, tough luck. You should not fly to see her. Sacrifice
1: for the rest of us. Right, or, or, or you're, you know, you're young. <clears throat> Uh, you want to meet and want to get out and work, and you can't. You need to stay home and sacrifice. Mary actually says, uh, I'm 67. I go lots of places, including restaurants when they're open. I'm healthy. I can look out for myself. I wear masks when required. I don't hug random strangers. You know, life is good. And in fact, taking care and responsibility of herself for herself. But that's such a foreign notion, Nikos, as you said, in this kind of culture of altruism, which says, don't think sacrifice yourself, we the government minders will tell you what's right and what's appropriate for your life and your, and your values. That's how it is. And my last
0: thought is this one. So quite often when, when the things are important, you realize the weaknesses that you, the mistakes that you did earlier. So let me give an example. You're a boxer, you haven't put too much effort on your cardiovascular skills. You go to round five, you gas out as they say, you lose. I think that's what has happened with us, I mean us, the wider milieu. So we've lost the battle of ideas when it mattered. We conceded so much to the the allowable opinion. So liberals, for example, says, yeah, you can keep morality, but we have the good economics. So my question is, how do your good economics are treating you now? So you've conceded, you've given up the most important weapon we have, and now, You can just say, please, could you tell us at some point whether you're gonna (laughs) open us? And is it gonna be in April or maybe in June? So this is why we say ideas matter. And unfortunately, we understood it too late. And hopefully this is gonna be a message that when we hopefully return to some normalcy, we understand that ideas are literally an issue of life and death. The fact that your body is not yours, go to the vaccine company say can you can can you experiment literally on me with the vaccine and the virus i can sign anything you want i'm saying but because this is considered out of the blue so because your body is not yours although the slogan says my body my choice unfortunately this is not the case that's why we had the vaccine ready let's say from these brilliant minds in january but we had to wait almost a year and that's why we are where we are. So ideas matter, principles matter, and I've talked too much today, so these are my last words. So I leave Jonathan to do the
1: the closing. Well, it's a really interesting perspective. I think only objectivists have this really unique individualistic pro-market, pro-life perspective. And I'll just say, Nikos, you know, Ayn Rand herself talked a little bit about this, obviously not COVID, but she brought up the issue of, of quarantine and forced quarantine in a new textbook of Americanism. So I would definitely recommend that to all of our viewers and our listeners to learn a little bit more about Ayn Rand's perspective. And you can find that at textbookofamericanism.com. And uh, we thank all of our listeners and subscribers for making The Daily Objective part of their daily media Oh, diet. sorry.
0: One one last thing on this one. So there's also a very good piece by Onkar Gatte on the role of the government when it comes to this kind of disease. So again, so that we don't have the caricature that I think it was the New York Times. We don't say that the government has no role to play. We don't say that the government has no role to play even even when it comes to controls at the airport. What we're saying is that we've reached somehow the full collectivism of morality. That my life is interlinked to your life. And again, this is how it should be. And uh, you should be quiet because otherwise you are selfish. So maybe the answer is yes, I'm selfish because I care for my life, and incidentally, I also care for the life of someone whose mother died and cannot travel to say the ultimate goodbye to her. Anyway, hopefully, last two days, actually, not hopefully, definitely Friday, I think it's again me and Jonathan, with uh, it's going to be a more uplifting topic, the one I had in mind, and you're going to hear more on that.
1: Okay, despite, I'll just say, Nikos, despite all the lockdowns, beside all the anguish, There's so much to be optimistic, positive about with the right philosophy. So we'll get into it more on Friday and in the days and months to come. Thank you very much, everyone, for attending, for
0: supporting us, and all the best. Bye-bye.